We're starting a new series today called Are We There Yet? Life Lessons from Joshua on the Way to the Promised Land. And as August did say, we will not talk about Joshua today, uh, but it's still all about him, apparently. I don't know how many of you have ever been on a road trip. Anyone ever been on a road trip? How about a family road trip? Yeah. Okay. Are we there yet? Four words that all parents dread. In case you're wondering, I just did this. Are we there yet? To count how many words that was. By the way, my name is Michael. You might not recognize me. It's been a while since I've been here. Um, I am one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm very excited to be here and very excited to be preaching again, Um, even if you're not too bad. Thanks, Alex. I can always count on you, my friend. I heard you. I don't see you. There you are. So we will start a new series, and periodically through this series, we will have um, videos that are kind of an interview with two of the generals that we have walking in our midst. We have, I don't know if you know this, quite a few retired generals from uh, different branches of the armed forces around here. One of them who is going to speak today is our highest ranking officer. He was a three-star general in the Army. Uh, He looks like Patton. Um, I think a little bit, just a tad bit. Uh, he was a tank commander and rose very high. And uh, I think pretty much there was like two people ahead of him in the military. Um, so he must have been a cool dude back in the day. He's still really cool. Uh, well, he could probably kill me with two fingers. But he's a, he's a very incredibly spiritual man um, that gives a lot of guidance to the leadership of our church from his experience, not only in the military, but his experience with God. And we're about to see a little uh, a question that was asked of him, um, and, and he answers it by telling a story. He was uh, involved in Vietnam, and uh, this is a story about uh, a little bit of uh, one of his missions. Several years ago, in fact, when I was young and in a different body, uh, I had uh, the opportunity to uh, be on a little operation in uh, Vietnam. And uh, we were inserted by air at uh, first light. And our mission was to uh, trudge about 2,000 meters and uh, hit this uh, objective where there was a small enemy force. And it was pretty clear, and it looked like it was going to be a pretty simple operation. And... We had to traverse a piece of terrain that was pretty well marred by uh, what we call elephant grass and some bamboo. Now, this is not your normal grass. It was about 10 to 15 feet high. You had a visibility of maybe 10 feet at the most, and we had to cut through quite a bit of it. And we knew we were going to have about 350 meters of that, so it was going to be an interesting little trek. And halfway through it, I was going to have to make a compass heading change and go due north to get to the objective. Well, we're making our way through this high grass with limited visibility, and up above us are two or three helicopters. They're called C&C ships, uh, command and control, and that's where all the ranking individuals uh, flew at a high altitude and uh, helped you as best they could uh, in the operation. I made my turn to the north. And I was called on the radio by my boss, and he was quite excited. And he said, "Uh, you're going the wrong way. And he used a few expletives and some obscenities and questioned 
my intelligence to the point that I checked out my compass to see, am I going the right way? And he was on such a tirade, I couldn't get back to him to tell him that, hey, I'm all right. But I started to doubt myself. And then all of a sudden, I hear this call on my radio, and it's a very calm voice, and it's a voice of authority, and I recognized the call sign. It was the general. And he called me by name. He said, Tom, the situation has changed. The enemy during the night has moved to a different location. So your objective is changed, and it is now located at coordinates so-and-so-and-so-and-so. If you will do a 180 and go due south, you should make contact in about 45 minutes. We are prepared to support you with air and artillery when you approach your objective. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir, I understand. And we went on and we accomplished the mission. That evening, after it was all said and done and we were kind of kicking back and relaxing, I thought about what happened during the course of the day. And I thought, well, it's, it's, that's life. You're moving along and you're going the right direction and then someone will confuse you and you have doubts about what direction you're actually going. Then you hear that calm voice of authority that says, this is the way you're supposed to go. This is the right path. Kind of like life. A little bit like Patton, am I right? Or maybe George C. Scott playing Patton. Is that... I can't imagine uh, what it must have been like uh, to be in his situation at that point. To be completely sure of yourself and to have somebody who knows more than you, you think, tell you that you're going the wrong way and drop you into utter confusion. It had to have been a confusing time to begin with. I don't know how old Tom was at that time, but it had to have been pretty scary. It had to have been intimidating and it had to have been confusing, not knowing which way to go. I said we weren't going to talk about Joshua today. But really, Joshua is involved today. He's being groomed, if you will, to take over leadership. In Exodus chapter 16 is where I'm going to read. Israel has escaped from Egypt. They've been released. They've made it across the sea. And now they're in a point where they're kind of wandering around for a little bit. It's a little bit of confusion going on. Verse 1, they, then they left Elim and journeyed into the Sin Desert between Elim and Mount Sinai. They arrived there a month after leaving Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel spoke bitterly against Moses and Aaron. Oh, that we were back in Egypt, they moaned. It would have been better if the Lord had killed us there. At least there we had plenty to eat. But now you have brought us into this desert to starve us to death. It seems that they were in the jungle, they took a course correction, and all of a sudden, things started to go south quickly. They got confused. They didn't know where they were going. 
They begin to doubt the leaders. They begin to doubt God. Joshua was part of this group. He was learning and he was growing into his role as a leader. But what does this say to us? For me, when I read this, I find myself at that crossroads quite frequently. I find myself at a position where I'm hearing one thing from someone and hearing something from somebody else and I'm thinking something myself and I don't know which way to turn. I've gotten lost in the monkey grass. Have you ever felt that way? For me, this comes down, it can come down in your career stuff, it can come down in family stuff. For me, it comes down spiritually. For me, this this section right here, this lesson right here, it comes down spiritually. I'm walking through my spiritual life, and I'm and I think I'm going the right direction, and then something happens that makes me freak out. Something happens, and I have to make a decision. Am I going to continue going the way I was, or am I going to listen to God? I, I love the image of the general coming over, being calm. Saying, Tom, things have changed. You need to turn around. The still, small voice of God. There have been many times in my life when I've been hacking through the stuff, and I'm so busy in my own world that I miss that calm voice, that I miss the turn. God's telling me. God's directing me. God's guiding me. But I'm too involved in myself to make the turn. I'm too involved in complaining to make the turn. God, why are you letting this happen? God, what's going on? Why didn't you just leave it this way? Because things were going okay. And all the while he's saying, Michael, let's do this now. Have you ever had a moment like that? When we started talking about are we there yet, I started thinking of a road trip and Chevy Chase and vacation. Because I'm just that way. Now, Christmas Vacation is comedic genius in the best movie ever made. The original vacation was good. There's a point when Aunt Edna dies. I don't know if you remember this. And they strap her to the roof of the car. It's raining. And they're in Cleveland, I think. Was it Cleveland? Phoenix. They're in Phoenix. Their vacation to Wally World is going down the toilet. But Clark will have none of it. This is no longer a vacation. It's a quest for fun. Do you remember this scene? Everyone, including his wife, is like, we just need to go home. You know, we had a good run. We tried it, but we need to go home. No! We're going on to Wally World. And then he says some things I can't. It's a quest. There are times in your life when you have to make a decision. There are times in your life when you have to make a decision on which way you're going to go. On which way you believe God is directing you. There are times in your life when you have to decide to follow God or not. That's what this was all about. 
The people of Israel got scared. The people of Israel were scared and they lost faith. They had questions, they had doubts, they didn't know what was going on, and they said, let's go back because it was at least back there we had food. Sure, we had no rights, we couldn't say anything about our own lives, about our own children, but at least we had food. Let's go back. And Moses and Aaron, hearing all of this, continued the course that God laid before them. If you remember what happens next, God comes to Moses and he says, I'm going to make it rain manna. You have to make a decision to follow God or to follow your life, yourself. I think in our world, when things change so quickly, in our world that is so focused on ourselves, that's a hard decision to make a lot of times. I think in a society that doesn't want you to talk about your faith, I think it's hard to make that decision sometimes. You know, for me, talking about my faith and my job is pretty easy. It is my job. But for some of you out there, to speak about your faith at your work is grounds for dismissal. For some of you out there, if you have a cross on your desk or in your cubicle, you can get in trouble. For some of you out there, if you're reading your Bible at work, you can get in trouble. But you have to make a decision. Are you going to follow God? Or are you going to follow the world? Are you going to follow yourself? The world tells us that we have all the answers we need right here. The world tells us that we can figure out everything. We have kind of a stop-and-go Christianity or religion society. You drop in, you take a little from here. You drop in, you take a little from here. You go over to Alamo Heights, you take a little bit from the Methodist church. You go down the street to the temple, you take a little bit from them. Then you go over to some Buddhist thing, you take some from them. You go to some New Age thing, you take some from them. And it's kind of stop and go. You're picking up things as you go along. And you're kind of getting mired down in the world telling you it's okay to go your own direction. There's a point in our, all of our lives when we have to make a decision. Are you going to follow God? Are you going to follow Jesus Christ or not? You know, some pastors get in trouble for speaking so harshly that this is the only way. Some denominations shy away from saying that, that Jesus is the only way. There are some Methodist churches that shy away from saying Jesus is the only way. Judgment and hell not included was a billboard that one Methodist church in town used to have up. There comes a time in your life when you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Are you going to follow God or are you going to follow yourself in the world? There might be times when you're starving. There might be times when you're thirsting, when you're confused, 
when you're surrounded by the enemy. It's at those times that you need to listen more intently for that voice of God. And Jenna and my life recently, we've been swallowed by monkey grass. Time and time again, as soon as I clear one field, we walk into another. This last week, we flew back to Dallas to get a new cast, her fourth body cast on, which we thought we'd be done with a month and a half ago. But things didn't work out that way. So we got another body cast. We're trying to shove food down her because she won't eat. We're trying to do everything we can. Time and time again. God, wouldn't it just be easier if we were back in Israel, or if we were back in Egypt? Would it be easier if we didn't even have her? I don't know if you ever have these type questions that run through your mind. You might not have kids. You might not be going through stuff like we're going through, but you might be going through something. You might be going through something. Wouldn't it be easier, God? I know that you're growing me. I know that I've changed. I know that people have been affected, but come on. Wouldn't it have been easier if you just left us alone? Because essentially that's what the people of Israel were saying. It would have been easier if you just left us alone. What a desperate cry that is. It would have been easier, God, if you were never in my life. There comes a point in all of our lives when we make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, to accept him as our Savior or not. And essentially, it is a decision saying, it's either easier with you or without you. When Christ said, pick up your cross and follow me, he wasn't painting a pretty picture, was he? When he said, you're going to be persecuted, it's going to be tough. You're going to be spat upon. You're going to be stoned. Some of you might be killed. He wasn't painting a pretty picture for the disciples. Yet they all accepted. Whatever happens... I would rather be with you. This is no longer a vacation. It is a quest for the truth. And that truth is you. This is the question you must each in your own life ask yourself. Is my life better with God or without him? And and let me tell you. I don't care how much monkey grass is thrown in our way for the rest of my life with my daughter. I wouldn't have it any other way. Do you believe in God? I will. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior? If you do, we all need to have Alex's enthusiasm. We all need to fight through this world and through ourselves and through our own selfish desires. 
And when somebody asks that question, you answer. Thanks, Alex. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Father, we thank you that he walked on this earth and he knows what we know, that he felt what we felt. Lord, I thank you that he was strong enough in his moment of grief and anguish to choose you and to choose the cross. Father, I thank you for the life that he lived and for the fact that he died. So that no matter what I go through in this world, I know that I have eternal life because I have him. Lord, I pray that you would fill all of us with the desire to know him more. To find our strength in him. That no matter what comes our way, we would never want to leave our life with you. But to always carry on. And maybe someday, for some of us sooner than others, we will answer that question, are we there yet? Because we will get to see you face to face. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this day and for your presence in our life. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.